and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 3, Episode 16. Woo! My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerell. And the film we're going to talk about tonight is... Colossal. Colossal. Mm. Um, and at this point what I do is I tell you what the story is and how good the film is uh, and what type of film it is based purely on the title. Um, this is a uh, very realistically 3D rendered uh, film about a giant robot. Uh, it starts off as sort of an action thriller, but gradually uh, the softer side of the giant robot comes out, played by Mil- Bill Murray. <laughs> I'd paid to see this film already. <laughs> Um, it's really good. I mean, it's yeah. Everything with Bill Murray in is really good. It is, yeah. Even even the not very good films with Bill Murray in are decent. I won't I won't hear that said about Charlie's Angels. I haven't seen it. They're brilliant, both of them. Both. He's of not the in the Angel second films. one, is he? Brilliant. It's somebody else. Oh, he's not in it. Yeah, it's still good. Um, okay. Well, that, that's interesting that you mentioned Giant Robot, right. because uh, Colossal is a film that came out last year. It's directed by Nacho Vigalondo, who is a uh, South American director. It stars Anne Hathaway, um, Jason Sudeikis, Dan Stevens, Austin Stahl, Tim Blake Nelson from... Um, Tim Blake Nelson was in... Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Have you seen uh-huh. that Cohen's Which film? Which one? Which person? Yes, I have. I like it. Uh, he's not John Turturro or George Clooney. He's the other one. Okay, and <laughs> he's the one that says, think... um, "He's the one that says, we thought you was a toad." Yeah, <laughs> do okay. not Him. seek the treasure. Him. So, did Anne Hathaway's parents deliberately name her Anne Hathaway? <laughs> um, presumably, they did. Yes, either that or it's her stage name. Uh, maybe I should check uh, if I have a moment. I'm going to check now and see if that's her real name. Oh, and now I regret asking. Yes, it is. It is her her real name. name. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, she seems lovely, but her parents seem dubious to me at least. (laughs) Sketchy. Uh, Or parents or other um, guardians. Yeah, she does seem nice. So uh, this is a film about a woman played by Anne Hathaway who is an alcoholic. She's a bit of a mess. Um, she's living with Dan, uh, a character played by an actor called Dan Stevens. Um, and their relationship is a mess. We first meet her when she asks all, all these sort of hipster friends to come back to their flat to drink and make merry. And, uh, Dan Stevens is unimpressed with this. And despite her protestation that everything's going to be okay and I'll stop drinking tomorrow, he says, you need to leave. So, okay, um, so it's a mess in, in that they're sort of. We uh, yeah. They're both. She's going crazy, or are they both going crazy? Or um, I think we're coming into her life where her life is already a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not very crazy. He seems quite dull, actually. It, in okay. fact, it's kind of interesting why they're together. Okay. Um, um, so she goes home to um to her parents' house. Her parents have died, but they left her the house in, in their mm-hmm. will. It's unoccupied. Mm-hmm. She goes home and she starts to 
meet people from her childhood, including it's a, not a good context. If your life's in chaos, yeah, going home and is staying not the best in your idea. Family home when your yeah. parents aren't there. <laughs> Indeed. Um, she goes home and she meets um, a character played by actor Jason Sudeikis. Uh, who owns a local bar, which which you would think would probably not be the best fit for where she mm-hmm. is right now. They have a history, not not a romantic history, but they were friends as children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day when she's walking b- at home from the bar through a children's park, you know, with like mm-hmm. swings and stuff in, something happens on the other side of the world in uh, South Korea, in Seoul, in fact, in the capital city. Right. I've heard of this. I don't know much about it, but it's come back to me. Okay. So um, what happens is that a a giant monster, like a kaiju-type monster, appears out of nowhere. Is that like a manga thing, a kaiju? A kaiju. Uh, Kaiju is from the Guillermo del Toro movie Pacific Rim. Okay, and I think it's is just Japanese first, for like, it's monster. just like a Japanese standard monster. Yeah, it's Japanese Japanese for monster. Yeah, um, so uh, this appears just out of nowhere in the city and proceeds to stomp all over the city and then disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens at the same time as she's walking through the kids' park, but she doesn't realise this until she gets home. She puts on the TV mm-hmm. that she's got there. Oh no, she's actually she's watching on a on a laptop. She hasn't got a telly yet. And she sees this news coming in from South Korea. She's like, oh, what, what's going on? What's with the monster? And then her friend from the bar, you know, he comes over and he says, did you see the news? Isn't that terrible? And all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, they're sort of comparing notes about what's happened and saying how terrible it all is. Who is she saying this to, sorry? Her friend from the bar. Okay. Who she's oh, okay. um, hooked up with again. Um, and her friend from the bar keeps bringing her bits of furniture, brings her a massive television, a sofa... He wants mm-hmm. to bring her a bed, um, but uh, she kind of holds off on that because she's kind of thinking, do I want this to be permanent, you know, is, or is this mm. just, just, just kind of a stopgap type thing? So he seems quite kind in mm-hmm. a kind of um, slightly standoffish kind of way. But then... Oh, so he's not like creeping, leching on her? Or... No, he's not actually, no. He seems quite quite friendly, but sort of distant at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there may well be some some reason for that in terms of their friendship that gets mm-hmm. revealed later that I might talk about or I might not. Um, but what she get out of this not doing spoilers thing. This is a spoilerific. It's because I've come straight from the radio show. You see, and I, I you're, you're in professional mode. You need to step right out. That's of that. right, mate. We're on GFM one hundred seven point one, <laughs> Glastonbury Street and Wells. I'm in the Wells now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Alan Partridge, North Norfolk Digital. Um, you said it. Yeah, most true. It's true. Um, so, but then, the next time that this happens um, with the monster in Seoul, mm-hmm. she's got this thing that she does when she's thinking about something, where she scratches her head. People can see this mm-hmm. on video. If we post the video, I'm kind of scratching my head in We're a particular way. We're not posting the video. Way. I'm not even videoing it. Okay, I'm not even videoing it. So, so I'm kind of scratching my head in a particular way mm-hmm. that she does throughout the film. Like uh, Ollie. Exactly, yeah, very much like that. Like, No, um, yeah. it's not Ollie. He, it's yeah. the other one. Stan Laurel. Yeah. Stan. It's Stan. Stan, yeah. But he says, ooh, Ollie, when he does it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, so, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> um, she has this particular sort of tick that she has. Mm-hmm. And she realises the next time that this monster appears, she sees it because she is in the park. She stops in the middle of the park and she kind of just stops and scratches her head. And she sees this on the video of what's happening in Seoul. She sees the monster scratching its head. Yeah, and she just thinks, right. that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but how is that possible? Yeah. So the next time <clears throat> that she goes there, first of all, she tells um, her friend from the bar, she tells um, a couple of other friends what she thinks is going on. And, and what does she think is going on? Well, she thinks that it's linked to her in some way, but she doesn't know right. why. Right, right, right. Um, and her friends are just like, what? You know, and, and <laughs> but then they sort of get on board with it and they kind of figure out how they can prove this. Mm-hmm. So they take <clears throat> um, like internet, uh, like phones and tablets and iPads and things out to the park and then... When she steps into the park, they can see the news footage that's coming from Seoul, mm. that's coming there from live, because there's cameras running live constantly, just in case this thing comes back. Yeah. And what they see is, what she's doing in the park is exactly what's happening there, in South Korea. This is pretty weird. It's pretty weird. And then... Is this in a universe where monsters fairly often attack... Cities. I don't think. I don't think it's ever happened. I know it ha- has happened one before, once before in the past. There's a, actually there's a little prologue to the film, uh-huh. in which we see this happen twenty years previous. Right. right so right. Uh, and we see, we we see we see that come back round full circle at the end of the film about why that mm-hmm. appeared twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so then her friend from the bar, he says, "Well, what happens if I step into the park as well?" Mm-hmm. And he does this, and then he appears in Seoul as a giant robot. <laughs> so now there's a giant I monster knew there was a giant robot. and a giant robot. And he's moving in, in the way, <laughs> and the robot is moving in the same way that he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, they still know, I mean, now they know what's going on, but they're none the wiser as to why, right. it's, why it's happening or, you know, what is going on. So... Um, then some more, some more stuff happens and she, she, I think her coming home has really unsettled her friend from the bar in a big way. And he has, when her boyfriend comes back to, um, essentially to maybe, maybe bring her home or maybe to break up with her. We don't, we're not really sure. Right. Uh, she's at the bar. She's now working at the bar, which is maybe mm. not the best place for her to be working. But she does seem to be trying to get a control on the, on the drinking, and maybe actually, working in a bar is the best place to be if you're. No, no? you don't think no. so. <laughs> no, it isn't. Okay, so maybe <laughs> maybe it's not no. the best place to be if you've got a the drink. People problem. I know who work in a bar drink every waking hour. Do they? Okay, yeah. so, um, she is yeah. She, um, her boyfriend comes back, maybe to take her home, maybe to break up with her. We're not really sure. And um, her, the bar owner, he, um, instead of sort of uh, being kind to her ex, possibly ex boyfriend, he sets light to a massive firework in the middle of the bar, <laughs> as a kind of like a show of power, and in a, in a really kind of ostentatious childish way 
says, uh, what's the worst thing I could do right now? And gets them to try and guess what the worst thing he could do right now. And says, no, no, it's none of those. It's this. And then he sets fire to this massive Mexican firework that's <laughs> about the size of a small dustbin. So he's suddenly a bit scary. Yeah, he is actually quite volatile and scary. And um, this causes her ex-boyfriend to think, okay, this is just completely screwed. This whole situation is messed up beyond belief. And he leaves. She's sort of falling apart even more. And then we start to see a flashback to the events that happened at the beginning of the film with the big Mm. monster appearing 20 20 years ago. ago. Yeah, exactly. So we see a flashback Mm -hmm. to her and her friend, who is now the bar owner, as children, Mm -hmm. uh, walking back from school with um, uh, with like these uh, models of cities. Mm -hmm. And she's got a model of Seoul, and he's got a model of somewhere else. And on her model, there's like a monster that looks a lot like the monster... So yeah, things uh, we see a flashback. Uh, they've both got models of cities. She's got a model of Seoul with uh, mm-hmm. this monster on it. He's got a model of somewhere else. Maybe it's also of Seoul. I can't really remember. Uh, mm-hmm. With a robot on it. Okay. And and what he does is he first of all destroys her model in a sort of petulant kid type thing, and then mm-hmm. throws it over a fence into what is presumably now the children's park. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, presumably why this stuff is now happening. Um, because the children's park represents... <laughs> it represents her kind, the kind of psyche of, of yeah. her childhood model. Um, I wouldn't say that was a full explanation. It's not a full explanation, but it, but it kind of... Um, it leads you to believe that that's what's going on. Is this a magic realist film? Definitely. Yeah, I think the 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 uh, you know the director is from South America, so it definitely right. has those magical realist overtones to it. Yeah, cool. I and then at the end of the film, realism. what what her friend says is that if you leave, because she's saying I'm going back to New York, I've had mm. enough of this. Um, he says, okay, but if you leave every day, I'll be out there in the park stomping on Seoul in South Korea as a robot. So if you want want to stop me from doing that, you need to come back. Okay, because this is because he loves her. I'm not sure that he does. I'm not sure that he does. What? But what's his problem? He he owns a bar. He's been there his whole life. He's single. So okay. <laughs> so maybe he loves her as a friend. Maybe yeah, maybe uh, as a psychopathic friend. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. So um, he uh, so she comes back. And they have a showdown, uh, and and we see that showdown in physical and also in monster form. And the people of Seoul really want her because they don't know what's going on. In um, uh, oh no, hang on a second. Yeah, so they have a showdown, and she gets beaten. As in, as in, they go to the park and have a fight. They have a fight, and uh, she gets beaten. Right, and then. She realises that she needs to do something else to fix this situation. So she mm-hmm. flies to South Korea. She goes to Seoul. Mm. And she walks around in the city. And she realises that as a, as a tiny human in Seoul, she can see him as a robot. But she actually has the same strength and power 
as she does in real in as a, as a big human. So she can throw him around as a tiny human. Okay. And um, that's really really effective. Uh, okay. So what we see is we see her in South Korea and we see her monster appear in the children's park. Right. And she picks him up and flicks him <laughs> across the countryside. And we see that happen in South Korea. We see her flick the robot mm-hmm. out of, you know, to disappear, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the end of the film. It is. What on earth? It is. Yeah, it really is one of the most utterly bizarre, <laughs> um, yet really rewarding uh, mm-hmm. films. Um, because so this, is, this is some kind of metaphor for oh, her anguish and her destruction of her life or yes, something, right? Yes, it's a metaphor for that. It's a metaphor for, you know, sort of going home when you really shouldn't be going home because it's not the best thing for you to do and sort of but hooking... What's that got to do with monsters? Like, I understand the destruction, you know, like, she's self-destructing and that's hurting other people or something, right? So she's like a monster. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it. You know, it, it, that, that is okay. exactly what it is. That's yeah. as far as it goes. Yeah, that, right. that's exactly what it is. Well, that's, that's, what, that's what I get from it anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, but what's, what's great about it is that it, I think that in, in a lot of examples of this kind of film, um, things get resolved and she, you know, has a romantic relationship with somebody and things move on and everybody's... You know, some people, mm-hmm. some people might be happy, some people might, might be unhappy, but that doesn't happen here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what happens at the very end of the film is she goes into a bar in Seoul uh, and the, the, um, the person behind the bar, the woman behind the bar says, wow, look at what's been going on. And um, says to Anne Hathaway's character, so what can I get you to drink? And Anne Hathaway just goes, oh... And then the film ends, <laughs> which works really well because it's so is like it kind of a bit comic, <clears throat> you know, a bit light. Yeah, or... it, it it treads a fine line. This is a thing that mm. I say a lot on this podcast and on my radio show <laughs> in the Glastonbury Street in Wells area of Som- Somerset. Is that it treads a fine line between comedy and tragedy? Mm-hmm. Um, because she is quite a tragic character. Uh, as mm-hmm. are most, you know, the people that she's gone back to see. They're kind of tragic, messed up characters. She also has a, she does have a romantic hookup with someone that doesn't go anywhere, which mm-hmm. is also refreshing in, in movie terms because, you know, so often in films, uh, if a woman has a romantic hookup with a man, it's expected that it will sort of carry on and she'll have some kind of, romantic role to play but mm-hmm. actually it doesn't go anywhere it's it just sort of stops dead which is refreshing and real in many ways um sounds weird it is it is a strange piece of work but so it's definitely not a romantic comedy it's not a rom-com by any means no so it's it's more of a a misery memoir mm. that that has giant robots that's a very good analogy actually yeah yeah, it's um, it is it is definitely a a study of someone who is quite messed up, who has um, you know, a relationship with a man um, who is pretty dull, and is probably better off without. But actually, 
the guy that she hooks up with in her hometown isn't really right for her either. Um, he's just sort of young and good looking. That's about it, really. He's not, not really much else to him. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, sounds like it's from her point of view. Very much so. Yeah. This film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it's a misery memoir with robots and and monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sounds interesting. You, yeah, it is interesting, and because I think largely because of the human performances, particularly Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway, who is very good, that's what sells the idea. That's what sells mm-hmm. the concept. Um, and without that, it wouldn't work as well as it does. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, presumably, I can't imagine if you just if you're looking for a film that's got giant robots in this is particularly the film you're looking for right no if you're looking for a film with giant robots and monsters in that would be pacific rim or if you're looking for a man in a suit then you're looking for the the uh the toho godzilla movies and and sundry other monsters of people in suits um i've enjoyed very old godzilla oh the original black and white is amazing Amazing film. Well, I I haven't enjoyed. I didn't enjoy the the, the sort of, was it nineties. Oh, the one by one. Roland Emmerich. Yeah, that's not a good film. It was empty. Yeah, empty. Yeah, definitely empty. I didn't like the design of Godzilla. Casting was terrible. The effects were a bit ropey. Hmm. Uh, I really I like Gareth Edwards' take on it that came out a few years ago. Which one's that? Godzilla. It's called uh, Godzilla. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that. I quite liked um, the found footage film. Mm. Cloverfield. Cloverfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah it yeah. takes a while to get going, but once it does, it's a roller coaster. Mm. Yeah, it, uh, I liked it because it was decently convincing found footage. Often you kind of wonder why the camera's still rolling, and yeah. or you think that wouldn't they wouldn't really point. It seems it credible, doesn't it? Because the, sometimes yeah. the camera points off into the corner. Um, yeah. For no particular, well, for a reason that somebody's put it there and then comes back to the action. Uh, yeah, mm. I like Cloverfield. The um, yeah, right. there's a sort of semi sequel to that called Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, which is which apparently was completely unrelated, and they thought, oh, we can market this by yeah calling it that. Yeah, well, it is related. It is related to the Cloverfield world. Um, yeah, but they they like did that later. Yes, right? they did. This yeah. is what I'd heard. But it is a terrific yeah. film. It's really, really yeah. good. <clears throat> so I haven't seen it, but what I heard about that to go off. We should uh, we should do that in a future podcast. In fact, maybe we should do oh, that okay. for the next one. Then I won't speak about it. It's worth talking about because it's really oh, cool. it's really great. Cool. Um, so that's colossal. It sounds it sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I, I think, think so. you know it's sort of going off the beaten track for our listener who maybe. Um, I think we've been fairly mainstream of late. And Have we? we okay, I think so. So we're going off the beaten track a bit for our listener and to seek out something. Although we definitely have more than one listener, because yeah, you said I think you posted on Twitter that we had thousands of downloads in a month. In no over twelve, yeah, well over twelve months, yeah. we had eight thousand downloads. That's pretty good, isn't it? Which is a lot more than one per episode. Yeah, it's very good. But obviously, I normally download. Each I download each episode, yeah. But that doesn't add up to 8,000. No, I don't download it um, 4,000 times. 
if you also download no. 4,000 times. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't be beneath that if there was some external statistics tracking going on. <laughs> it's me tracking the statistics, so it doesn't really seem worth me I would me totally, totally grass you up if you did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, so I think we should just basically say hello. Hello to, to listener. listener. Well, we should say hello to Scott, because we know that Scott listens. Hello, Scott. Uh, we'll say hello and, to uh, we'll say hello to Haley because we know that Haley sometimes listens. Right, I know that Kathy has listened. Okay, so hello, Kathy. Um, yeah, Kathy. If you want a shout out, it's not too early. So you know, when we have millions and millions of visitors, it's going to be too late. <laughs> but if you uh, presumably if you let us know, uh, Kathy will be able to retort to my retort sometime yeah. later in the year. Yeah. Whenever you get to, <laughs> if she ever gets around to listening to the podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think probably Farsi doesn't listen anymore because he hasn't uh, made a comment for ages. He used to be our only contributor. Farsi was our only contributor. Uh, Not anymore. I don't think he listens anymore. I think maybe he's given up. Yeah, probably well, it became too professional. Probably because we liked Society and he hates that film. <laughs> Does he hate Society? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so well, he probably likes it. It's on this weekend, actually, Society. All right. Mm. I'm not sure I could watch it again. Yeah, I think I probably could. Right. Um, so, so I've I've got a bit of feedback. Are we are we finished? No, I no, haven't. No, questions. we're not. You need to ask me some questions this. about Colossal. So, all right. So, uh, cheers. Uh, rather than asking you just what the point of the film is, mm. which although I do think that's probably interesting, I want to ask you what the point of the the monsters mm. is, monster and robot. Okay. What has that got to do with the story? Okay. So the monster and the robot represent. Um, Anne Hathaway's character and Jason Sudeikis' character. And they, for me, they represent um, stuff that just hasn't been dealt with from their childhood, Mm -hmm. that's just hanging Mm -hmm. around. Um, And it's a metaphor for um, the fact that she never dealt with the fact that he destroyed her model, that she just kept it buried. Emotionally, you know, she kept it buried when, in fact, it was a very important event for her in so many ways because, you know, it it shows you how cruel people can be, how cruel and heartless Mm -hmm. people can be. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I think that's what that's what they represent. That's what I think. Um, Mm -hmm. It's never implicitly stated that that's what it is. So but that's what I think. Yeah, you've got in order to buy the film, you've got to in some way feel like there's something some connection between yeah the events in one place and another right yeah yeah so. and that's what i that's what i took from it right. poisonly so uh, all this has made me think of something that i consumed some media that i consumed recently okay which is um a richard herring's leicester square theater podcast uh-huh. or rahulstapa rahulstapa as everyone's calling it uh, as uh, as everyone's calling it um i listened to an episode Yesterday, I think, which which is episode one hundred and sixty-one. We can, if I'm good, I'll link to it from the Cheers. podcast notes. Uh, which is an interview with Johan Harry. I don't know whether I've pronounced that right. Probably uh, about he's talking about depression. He and he's he's researched uh, the topic and written a book about it. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating listening that podcast. I assume the book is also brilliant. Really. He's a really enthusiastic uh, speaker on the topic, and he's really done his research. And, Has he been a uh, sufferer himself? Is that why he's um, yeah. talked? 
Yeah, he's talking about it now. Yes, yeah, and um, uh, it just the 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 kind of suffering that's that you I think you're describing in this film, which is kind of one of the things that Johan is talking about is that although he would never want to say tell people don't don't take the medication you've been prescribed mm. he thinks that essentially depression is caused by the circumstances of your life or the things or the things you're doing or you know things the patterns yeah. of your life yeah um and it the, it made me think of that when you talked about the the going home back back into a situation where you in your life you want to be going forward yeah you didn't say that but that's neither. um it just made me think of that that like she's She's running away from a bad situation into Another bad a situation. pattern that is worse. And in fact, when she says she's leaving, she's just running away again. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, the, the, mm-hmm. when she goes to Seoul, that is the, the one time in the movie when she takes control right. to do something So about maybe it. she's moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely moving forward there, yeah. That's very interesting. Right, but I would... Yeah. I think I would recommend... Rahulstapur, but I would certainly recommend that episode. It is okay. I have uh, so many podcasts subscribed. In fact, I unsubscribe to a couple because I've just got too many. Right. Um, so uh, I, I'm struggling to get my my backlog down below fifty podcasts. Not subscriptions, but you know, yeah. things in my queue. Right. <laughs> I delete. I I the ones that I delete are the um the news, the news hour one because it, you only want to listen to that yeah for some reason it only it's only relevant if it happened recently i don't know why yeah <laughs> but that's the way news that's reasonable. <laughs> um and then i've got a few um when i when i've kind of finished up the ones i'm really listening to i go back to listening to more kermode and mayo ones and they're so long yeah that they can there's never you never run out of them. no never never <laughs> never never um all right, so I've got some feedback. Yeah, Sorry, that was, go for that it. was one. Let's have some feedback. So, a number of number of pieces of feedback. Some from me, some not from me. Should we alternate? Should we do one from me? Uh, yeah. I, I don't have any from. I don't have any. No, no, feedback. one from me, and then one that is from someone I spoke oh, to. Oh, okay. And then another one from me. Yeah, go on then. <laughs> Although, if you okay. if you have them written down, I could read them out as well. But uh, no. <sighs> okay, well, I'll just sit in the corner then and okay. and rust quietly, so, <laughs> as Marvin would what? say. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Baby Driver. <laughs> I watched Baby Driver. Oh, cool! Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Baby. Baby Driver. Baby. Yeah. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. So there's a few sequences in space where things happen in time to the music, yep. which are utter genius. And there's also the film. Oh, what's it called? You know the one I mean. Scott Pilgrim. The, the yeah, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And there's some sequences in that also, which are in time to music and are amazing. So I, my expectations were really high for Baby Driver. Okay, I did big it up quite a lot, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. and other people did too. <clears throat> so I liked it. I liked his character. Um, whenever he was interacting with with her, the the girl that he's having a romance with mm. I, I had a big grin on my face yeah because it's really sweet isn't it yeah yeah um so it was good but my expectations were so high it wasn't as good as i was expecting okay but it was good all right what's next um and and just to, as a future thing i don't think knowing knowing about it spoiled it apart from the high expectations thing right 
Um, okay, so that's Baby Driver. So thank you for telling me about that, Phil. Actually, I'm I've, glad I've I got a little um, anecdotal fact about Baby Driver mm-hmm. before we move on. Go on. There's a scene in the film where he has to rewind his um, iPod right. like two or three times because the because of the fact that the timing isn't right for the heist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? yeah, yeah. Do you know why yeah. they did that? No. Okay, so what happened was is that the guy who shot this was Bill Pope, who shot all the Matrix movies. He shot Team America, oh. World Police. You know, he's really, um, right. really experienced uh, cinematographer. And he said to Edgar Wright, this sequence isn't going to match that piece of music that you've got. And he just knew that it wouldn't match in the edit. And it didn't match. So what they had to do, they had to shoot an insert of Baby um, rewinding the um, piece of music to play it again so that it would match the edit, which is just, you know, a genius way to get out of a a tight spot. Clever. Yeah, Yeah, really clever. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. I really, really bought... I wanted them to get away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was weird watching a film with Kevin Spacey in, given how much he's been in the news. Yep. Recently. Yeah. Or, or not um, in a film, so, as the case of All the Money in the World. Yeah. Yeah. And everything else he's in. Yeah. Um, uh, so, next piece of feedback. You remember ages ago I said about Interstellar? Yes. I said... Blah blah blah. I didn't like it, and also yeah, there was a lot of worry. The gravity, yeah, the gravity. <laughs> well, I don't like <laughs> the gravity time distortion thing. Yeah, would never work. Is what I said. I having no knowledge or whatever. So, and then ages and ages ago, I mentioned this to my friend who is a proper actual cosmologist. Yeah, and actually knows. And he said, "Oh, I might. I think it'll work. I think because they had some, they had this well respected. Yeah, Kip Thorne so, <laughs> was the here. Yeah." cosmologist so yeah. then I got I got chatting to to my cosmologist friend at Christmas and and brought this up again because I wasn't convinced so he did a couple of sums and he realised actually it comes down to a really simple sum mm-hmm. and it it wouldn't work in a million years oh, okay. so basically <laughs> the uh, the time distortion that was required it was something we worked out it's something like 20 times time, time flows about 20 times slower um, on the planet with the big waves yeah. than it does out in the orbit. So what that means is, imagine that where they're in orbit is basically infinitely far away, which is not, but let's imagine it is because that just makes the sum even worse if it's not. In order for time to go 20 times slower on the on the planet, they would need to be 120th, I think that's the way it works, They'd need to be one twentieth of the distance from the event horizon that the event horizon is from the centre. So essentially, they'd have to be almost skimming the event horizon. Right. Okay. Which is not really possible. So what that means is, I mean, you could it could the event horizon could be massively far away from the centre, right? Mm. So they could still be a long way away from. And the it event is a supermassive black hole. Yeah, but mm. the fact is. That means you're so there's so much gravity at that point that the energy to escape would be insane. Right. Now, obviously, they've got magic rockets, right? Yeah. So maybe they can escape yeah, that. Magic energy. rockets. Yeah. <laughs> magic rockets. But effectively, they are skimming the event horizon. Uh, and that's ridiculous. And therefore, the whole thing's rubbish. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> That's that piece of feedback. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you for ruining uh, um, Interstellar for me. 
that's okay. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, finally, uh, I also recently watched Gone Girl. Ah, cool. Which we talked about ages ago. Yeah. That was um, our first podcast. I watched it with a couple of... Was it our first yeah, one? Yeah, Gone Girl was our first one. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, well, that's easy for you to look up, listener. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I watched it with a couple of people. They really jo- enjoyed it. I I liked it, but I'm sad to say, because I was listening back to our podcast, and in one of our early podcasts I said, oh, I don't mind spoilers. Ah, uh, but and Gone I Girl think, is... Yeah, once it's spoiled. Yeah, I think yeah. it spoiled it a bit for me that I knew about it. Mm. I wasn't able to just consume it as it was. Right, yes. I I was always... I was thinking about all the things we'd said about it. And maybe that spoiled it a bit for me. So maybe, so maybe you're coming around to the fact okay. that I shouldn't spoil everything when we talk about these movies. No, we're a spoilerific podcast. That's our like unique selling point. We can't not do Fair that. Fair enough. Yeah. It just means that some films get ruined for me, but I'm prepared to sacrifice myself on the altar of, <laughs> awesome of making an amazing, unique podcast. The altar of awesome. Yeah, on the altar of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, it... It was good and interesting and and stuff. Although, uh, what's his name? The bloke Ben Affleck. He he annoys me. And also, <laughs> there is there is this trope in cinema of um, a poor old man getting utterly ruined by an evil woman. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of thrillers. Yeah. Like what's the um, the hand that rocks the cradle? I haven't seen that. I know it's quite a famous movie. Right. It's like a classic thriller. Mm, the femme fatale. And, um, yeah, the rabbit boiling film. Uh, bunny boiler. Uh, fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction, yeah, yeah. So there's this trope of, oh, there's some, there's some poor man and we're, well, everything is totally from his point of Basic view. Basic Instinct and then, is another one. And, yeah, and then <clears> there's <throat> this awful woman who's evil. Yeah. And uh, that's a bit tiresome. They're all driven by... Um, you know Hitchcock's work, which was all about the evil blonde woman who's coming to mess you up, and you can't apart resist from Psycho. Her. Apart from Psycho, yeah, Psycho's so great. We've already got right, we've so- gone over this already. <laughs> <laughs> how great Psycho is, uh, and how bad yeah. the shot for shot remake is. Oh, I love it, love it. Um, apart from where it deviates from the original. Uh, incidentally, mm-hmm. uh, I have yet to watch, although I have it in my queue of things to watch, Brawl in Cell Block 99, which is the latest movie by the guy that made Bone Tomahawk. Um, ah. And it stars Vince Vaughn. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about a guy who's in prison and uh, there's a brawl. And it's a, um, I heard on the Empire podcast that the guy that was reviewing it, who saw it at a previous screening you know just a screening room in london and uh, apparently at these screenings they have a security guard there to stop people from recording it with a camera Mm. and this security guard who's presumably seen a bit of violent action at a couple of points in the film (laughs) said oh my god to the violence on screen (laughs) so um i'm looking forward to that he's like a bit of well a bit of um, ultra violence that's you know just completely Fan, complete fantasy is, mm-hmm. you know, can be enjoyable in a sort mm-hmm. of voyeuristic kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Evil Dead being well, I'm an example. I'm quite keen on, on Misery, so I think that yeah. Colossal might be good for that. 
Oh, you mean Misery as a concept rather than the film? Oh, no, I don't like the film Misery. <laughs> but I like Misery. Right. Yeah, I do. And Misery loves company, which is why we do this podcast. <laughs> so, we can't go through a podcast about a film called Colossal mm-hmm. without mentioning possibly the best computer game ever made. We've got about four minutes, Shadow of the, the Colossus. Sorry? Four minutes until I need to go and eat dinner. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Shadow, the, the best computer game ever, potentially, possibly. Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, I've heard about this. Is this a console game or a PC game? It's a console game. There's a re-remake, ultra, completely new, better remake coming out for the PlayStation 4 Ooh. in a couple of months, I think, pretty soon. Is it a PlayStation exclusive? I don't know. Okay. But the other versions were also on PlayStation. It was originally on PlayStation 2. Um if you can get near a PlayStation 4, I don't seriously no, consider don't have one. My, Shadow of the Clans. My son has a an Xbox One. But I think I think that it's a it's an exclusive. I'm pretty sure I looked this up the last time yeah, you talked it about is, it. Yeah. Okay, do some plugging. Oh, okay. Yes, plug away. So I present a movies and music podcast on Glastonbury FM. Glastonbury FM 107.1. <laughs> In the, I'm standing in the I'm wells. I'm standing in the wells. Can't you hear the echo? In the Glastonbury Street and Wells area of Zummerzet. It uh, goes out live on Thursday evenings at 6, between 6 and 7 p.m. Movie reviews, uh, DVD reviews, Blu-ray reviews, uh, music, cinema listings, movies that are on television, uh, some, DVD, you know, some DVD picks, stuff and nonsense. I also plug this podcast on that show, so nice. this is now the snake eating its own head kind of thing. Right. Well, that's that's why it's so popular. Presumably it is, yeah. Um, it goes out, as I said, goes out live at 6 on Thursday. It's repeated at 2 on Friday, 2 p.m., that is. And it's also available on the internet. And there are podcast highlights. Search for Movie Mashup, No Camel Case, No Caps, in iTunes or your podcasting app of choice, and you'll find me. That's it. Okay. Uh, we are the Good Robot Andes. The, if you use a search engine uh, to search the internet for the Good Robot Andes, you'll find us. We have an about page which links to all the different stuff that Andy and I do. Boot. Boot. Um, check my YouTube page for videos about computer programming. Um, check my blog for stuff about computers. I'm all about computers. I've started yeah. back on writing my own programming language, which I'm calling Pepper. It's going to be better than all the other programming languages. Uh, the reason it's taken me so long to get back onto writing it again is because I had to choose a programming language to write it uh, in, and I couldn't decide because none of the programming languages are good enough. I want to use my own programming language to write it, but I can't because I haven't written it yet. There's a paradox there. That's the kind of person. <laughs> <I am. laughs> In fact, that was so, a, that was a uh, bit like the it. the bit in um, Austin Powers too. When um, Michael York is trying to describe, when Basil Exposition is trying to describe what happens with time travel, <laughs> and Austin Powers just goes cross-eyed. Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> and Michael York turns to camera and says, "And you shouldn't worry about it either." <laughs> <laughs> Who does number two work? For? <laughs> I, funny enough, I was thinking about that the other day. What a funny scene that is. All the all the quotable things from Austin Powers are from the horrific third film. Uh, are they? No, I don't think I've ever quoted yeah. the third film. Well, who does number two work That's from the for, first one. From the third film. 
That's Tom Arnold. No. Yes, it is. No. Yes. Also, the turning around in a small corridor scene. Uh, that's also from the first one. Give me some orange shirt. That's from the first one. No, it's from the first one. It is. Christian Slater, I brought you orange yeah. sherbet. Orange sherbet. That's from the yeah, first from movie. The the Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hopefully a listener will write in and <laughs> yeah please do nice. listener <laughs> um, I think that's it I've got to go and eat my din that's it have a nice dinner thank you see you next time yeah see you next time thank you very much <laughs>